0: Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast, our weekly show about how technology is changing the creative industries. Today on the program, how AI will change work and creativity. This week, ChatGPT4 was released, the latest release of OpenAI's language model. It's got everyone talking and we'll break down what it means for the future of work and creativity. Also, we are joined later by our special guest, Julia Kranz, creative director in the 3D space and founder of the website Magic Fabric, which covers digital fashion, AI art, and more. She also released her own chatbot this week, which we'll talk about. I'm Conrad Olsen, editor in chief and founder of Scandinavian Mind. And I'm here with my dear colleagues, Erik Sedin and Roland Philipp Kresmar. How are you guys? Great. Good to be back on the show. Yeah,
1: great. Great, great, great to be back.
0: Great to have the AI podcast back. It feels like we can't get enough of this subject and, and neither can the rest of the world. Uh, there's so much happening this year uh, uh, around uh, generative AI, as it's called. So just a few months after the release of, of ChatGPT, the, the search box slash chat tool whatever that's that was powered by uh, GPT-3, that was the engine. OpenAI has now released GPT-4, so many people who are in the kind of tech space have heard about this the last few days, Uh, there's been examples of what this engine can do, Um, it can not only handle text, it can also parse both, you know, images and text. Um, it can analyze contents in images. It can create websites based on just hand-drawn sketches. It can process way more text, and it can perform much more better at bar exams and more. Um, this, I think, this is a great topical uh, subject. So, and and kind of like a follow-up to what we've been discussing in, in previous episodes. But Roland, I'm going to start with you. What has been your reaction to to the news coming out these last few days?
2: So three, three takes on it.
0: Let's, let's get into with,
2: it. Let's let's start with a philosophical take. So uh, Ray Kurzweil is a famous uh, forecaster, trend expert, guru. Uh, mm. He predicted a couple of years ago that in 2045, humanity becomes immortal, that we have merged with technology in the way that basically we can upload our brains to the cloud. And in that, in, in that way, kind of become immortal. Um this kind of resurfaced in the past couple of weeks. Um we're on we are on the way. <laughs> we're on the way to, towards immortality, which is pretty interesting because if you think about it, uh it started with the, the use of the smartphone. Uh you know, it's an extension of our brains and, and, and how we live. Uh it's it's hard to kind of be active in society today without the smartphone. Now with generative AI services, I mean, it's, it's virtually going to be impossible to have any function in society without really using those kind of technologies. If we talk about um, being active, let's say, in, in the service area, of course, if you're an artist or if you, you're, you know you're repairing cars, you might not need it in the same way. As uh, if you are a white collar worker, mm. so that's you, the you, number one. That, this is, yeah. You
0: really think so? You think this is where we're heading now? This this yes. is the shift that's happening for yes. for white 100%. collar uh, work? Yeah. Okay. Hundred percent.
2: I mean, it, it's we we went over the tipping point point of no return. So obviously, uh, that is thrilling, exciting, uh, but also a bit daunting because um, if I look at myself, I I actually don't feel I really have the time to invest in, in, in getting to learn how to put in the prompts in the right way, because it, it is really about prompts, <laughs> right? Mm. So uh, s- still those uh, generative AI tools cannot read my mind. So I still have to kind of translate my thoughts and ideas and creativity into uh, prompts that then will genera- generate some kind of output, right? Anyways, um, Two-sided sword there, right? The, the second thing is um, Microsoft uh, announced yesterday that they are introducing AI Copilot uh, for all the 400 million paid uh, users of Microsoft 365. So again, that is going to be a huge, huge impact uh, on, on workforce uh, globally. You know, you can uh, basically get the, the, the tool to prepare f- for meetings um, you know generate new documents based on existing documents you can create powerpoints just based on on, on prompts you know uh, you, you have embedded uh, analytics uh, automatically capture meeting data etc i mean there's a long long list <laughs> i'm sorry but this blows my mind i knew yeah. I, I i i know you've done more research than
0: me i i this kind of uh, flickered on the edge of my eye but for this to be a reality right now. And and I think we should talk a little bit about how we use these services Mm. because I've used them a little bit. I know you, Eric, uh, uh, use them. But the way these are implemented right now is actually a a major shift. Have you guys, let's pause right there. We can go back to to what you've observed, Roland. But have you guys started using these tools in a day-to-day basis? Eric, uh, how about you?
1: I think it's interesting how you said there, uh, Roland, in, in 2045 and, you know, <laughs> humanity will become immortal. Uh, I like to think about right now what I can see ChatGPT and AI can do for me right now. And like you said, Conrad, uh, for anyone who, who doesn't know, <laughs> we've said it in the podcast before, we're working on an issue four, for a printed issue of our magazine. And I've turned to ChatGPT to kind of uh, help me with... Uh, uh, writing because that's the the hardest part I think of writing these issues is when I write a whole story you know five A4 pages and then I have to make a title of two words you know like one hmm. tongue-in-cheek kind of title that's the hardest part so I asked Jesse B, I gave it like write a nice tongue-in-cheek fun very short um, title about are, this text. are you
0: leaking our text. Online to ChatGPT <laughs> before we launched the, the issue.
1: Yeah, no, what is I didn't. This? I didn't give him the whole text. I just gave him what the text was about. Okay. So, like you said, well, maybe it's my bad prompting, or it's because Chat ChatGPT just isn't very good. Because I thought it was terrible at doing, you know, the Scandinavian mind type of uh, title. Yeah. You know, it was very bad at it. Could be that I didn't give it the whole text and I didn't use the right prompts. I've been trying to give, like, for this, I'm writing one of the cover stories, and I've been trying to get, like, what should I call this story in two words. And I think ChatGPT has been pretty bad at it, uh, to be honest. Um, What I think is interesting is when we look at ChatGPT 4, is the image to text thing that you talked about. Uh, You mentioned it briefly. Imagine if I, for me, that would be cool if I write this story, and it's it's a very visual story. I'm not going to spill all the juice, but. Imagine if I could just show him the the cover image and be like, "What kind of two words do you think when you see this?" If that could be a better way of giving me these very vague kind of tongue in cheek mm. uh, titles, that could maybe work better for me because now I don't think it's not that good at giving these like feature, you know, cover story. Uh,
0: yeah, I've used it all. more more as a, a tool or a help or a, or a guy or like a helper. Not to produce finalized text or finalized copy or finalize something, yeah. but to draft things, to summarize yeah, things, exactly. yeah. uh, uh, draft uh, headlines or, or draft questions for interviews and that sort of thing is super good. Roland, how about you? You just mentioned it's it's hard to keep up with the tools and how to use them, and now you're just explaining that you know it's going to be included in the biggest uh, enterprise tool there is on the on the on the face of yeah. the earth. I think Microsoft is the biggest, or at least one of the biggest. Yeah. It could, it could be a game changer. So how are you using it today?
2: Uh, I, I think in the same way, kind of as an assistant uh, or mm. aspiring partner or kind of bounce ideas or, you know, if I'm a bit tired and, you know, I just kind of uh, process text and and, and, and you know, I, I think that is how I use it so far. And of course, I played around with kind of the, the, the art tools and stuff for fun, yeah. right? But I think this, uh, this is also why I mentioned the, the AI co-pilot of Microsoft 365 because, <clears throat> I mean, in my professional life, I advise uh, global corporations on digital transformation. Uh, I, you know, and one of the elements of, of you know, large scale digital transformation is change management. And how can you get the workforce? You know, if you have a company with hundred thousand employees, how can you get the workforce to truly transform and change and, and and adopt change and and thrive through change? And there's always been this kind of um, threshold to get through with that it's 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 change management is hard okay while Mm -hmm. here i actually see that you in 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 the way it will be embedded into everyday life into into the everyday tools that uh, you know hundreds of millions of people are using that is going to have a huge effect on also the mindset of people when it comes to digitalization so i think Mm -hmm. you know when we looked at um during the pandemic, you know, there were a lot of kind of memes or, you know, comments that uh, said that, you know, in, in five months, the world changed faster than in the last 50 years or whatever, yeah. you know, when it yeah. comes to digital transformation. And I think we, we see the same thing here. So, you know, literally in five days, we see bigger change than in the last five years. Um, so I think ChatGBT4 and other, uh, you know, <clears throat> tools uh, will have a huge impact. Um, I think
0: and, it, and, should be, it should be should be noted yeah. before we move on that chat 4 is actually what is then powering the Microsoft tools, right? Because Microsoft yeah. is uh, an a investor, co-owner or a financier somehow of OpenAI. So they, they, I think, as a way to kind of uh, uh, in the AI arms race, keep up with Google, they put in a huge amount of investment, billions of billions of dollars in, into this
2: yeah and one really, really critical element for this to really be a, a, a you know how do you say a exponential uh, tipping point kind of bonanza is that mm. uh, security. So, for example, it is not recommended to use openai's uh, platform for Uh, you know, uh, bouncing confidential material because it's an open platform, right? right? So, but when you embed it into the Microsoft 365 platform, which has very high security standards, then suddenly you can actually sit and and, and uh, bounce um, a lot of confidential material back and forth and get you know ideas and and uh, mm-hmm. use for productivity etc so that is going to be a game changer
0: speaking of that uh, and speaking of issue 4 we actually do have an interview with a swedish entrepreneur Juwel hellermark of Sauna labs in the upcoming issue um he is doing similar work with his uh, ai tool And one of his sort of um, arguments or or pitches to uh, the the companies he's working with is exactly what you're talking about right now—the safety. So having an AI tool um, placed up, up you know, on top of a company's uh, 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 information, uh, a company's data, uh, proprietary material, that sort of thing, and uh, and. it's going to be interesting to see how they are tackling this new development from from both Microsoft and Google is, is also announcing similar tools mm-hmm. right inside their
2: um, uh, Google suite but you know what I think uh, as I mentioned in our in our discussion before we we, we kind of uh, started to record was that personally I you know I work with tech digital transformation business transformation I think I'm right. on top of things <laughs> Uh, But I actually start to feel for the first time in my life and career a bit of anxiety around tech in the Mm. sense that it is not natural for me to embed this into my everyday life. Mm. And I, as I mentioned, also, I don't really have the time to truly deep dive into it because I'm so busy every day. You know, I work 10 hours a day and then I have to take care of family and stuff. And, you know, I'm not going to sit at 11 in the evening and learn, you know, how to create prompts. So I, I think um, this is where, you know, you, 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 I reach a point in life where I'm like, okay, interesting. There's going to be this kind of genera- generational shift where you have my kids age, you know, 10 and 12. For them, this is going to be natural. Eric, you're okay, but you're also getting a bit old, even if you're in your 20s. You know, I think that the generation growing up now with this, these tools that are, let's say, preteens, teens, when they enter the work market oh my fucking god mm. you know that is going to create this huge huge shift in expectations on productivity so mm. i actually yeah. believe in a in a dystopian way um that we will become more and more like robots and if you don't become like a robot in terms of productivity you're out you have no place on the work market and i'm again i'm talking about white-collar revolution here. This is the game-changer, mm-hmm. you know, we've been able to hide the white-collar workers say, oh, you know, uh, we, we will not be robotized. Well, here you go. This is it.
1: I think well, that's really interesting how you said the, the productivity and what maybe a, an employer would demand. They could say like, can you come back with this, this task? And someone, maybe your kids, they've learned ChatGPT or whatever. They could come back in an hour. Well, maybe us three, you would say like, yeah, I can get you back on Wednesday or whatever. And they won't yeah, accept exactly. that. I don't, think. I don't think they will be like, why would I hire you? Um, I,
0: what I, I feel like we need to bring Roland a hug and a, and a blanket here on this uh, Friday morning. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, well,
2: my third observation actually is on the positive side here. Okay, so,
0: yeah, great. Let's get into it before we... Yeah, so
2: Reid Hoffman, so the founder of LinkedIn, he actually got access to chat 4 last summer. Hey, guys. This is as, again interesting. So he got access last summer. So you know the the, the fifth version will probably come soon, right? <laughs> so, anyways, he wrote a book entirely using ChatGPT four. Uh, you can find it online. Um, we'll will we'll put it in the show notes. Uh, but he he wrote a book basically only using ChatGPT four, and it's a pretty good book. It, it's a fact factual book, and you know, it's not fiction. Uh, but I think that's really where. It's, it's amazing because you, you can really, in a structured, fast um, way, process a lot of information and, and then also exponentially get output that would take years and years. But mm-hmm. with, with tools like this, um, it can take months or maybe even weeks or maybe even days or hours to produce amazing content. So in that regard, I mean, of course, it's fantastic. So, you know, I, I'm, you, I'm, uh, I'm you not negative. Have you like read it or heard? I started to read it. I language. downloaded the PDF. Uh, it's it's uh, it is what it is. I mean, I will let the the readers um, do their own judgment. But you know, mm. if you if you look uh, look at it as a as a book of uh, of, of a factual book, you know, mm. it, it's pretty good.
1: And Reid Hoffman like...
2: obviously is a thought leader uh, since he founded LinkedIn, and you know, he's mm. he's widely investing in in the tech space, and he he knows his shit, you know. So yeah. Mm. I just wanted to add to that. I think, like you said, white collar
1: workers, I'm not sure what that term exactly means. I guess I am one, a great one uh, in a way. Uh, if you're but- sitting
0: in front of a computer typing, you know, white collar worker. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, <then>. no, I am <laughs> yeah, 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 really at yeah. my fingertips. <laughs> but uh, I thought it was interesting with GBT 4 and what you said now. I think like when I when I see all these tweets, people are talking about, like, oh, it's so funny. Look at the jokes it's writing. I think it's quite, it feels kind of flat and it feels like a robot still. People are losing their minds over how brilliant it is. But, you know, it can, you can show it a picture and you can ask it, what's so funny about this picture? And it will give you quite a good description and be like, oh, it's funny because of this and this and this. But I don't know, it can't really, from what I've seen at least, it can't come up with like original, you know, comparisons or look at popular culture from the day before and write something funny about that. You know, if I asked ChatGPT before to be like, hey, what was, what was funny about the Oscars last week? I don't think it can do that on the spot like that, which I think human mind still can. And, you know, you're, you're onto me. something, Eric.
2: I mean, again, yeah. what is the the you, you know USP of humanity <laughs> still, <laughs> at least for a couple more months. Yeah, it's yeah. creativity, right? <laughs> and and I, I would say I are. mean yeah creativity, we, we, we're a social uh, species, right? Mm. Uh, uh, and we, we have a humor. So mm. dogs don't have humor, but they are yeah. social. Uh, you I know, et we're, cetera, we're so. also
0: curators of information and, and uh, you know, phenomenon. So that mm-hmm. could be part of it. I think let's do this. Let's give ourselves some homework and let's get back in a couple of weeks with a prompt episode. Let's do a special <laughs> yeah. on AI prompts and see how, we, what's the best prompts to help us with creativity and curation and uh, and humor. Uh, and let that be um, the follow-up to this because we are now uh, inviting our uh, guest uh, Julia Krantz into the episode and into the discussion. All right, we are now joined by Julia Krantz, a creative director that runs the site Magic Fabric. Julia, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you so much.
0: Um, so we've been spending the last uh, 15, 20 minutes or so talking about uh, GPT-4 and other developments, and I'd love to hear your take on that. Uh, but, but to begin with, just, just give the listeners a, a short background on you and, and, and what you do.
3: Right. Um, so I'm originally not from uh, the tech industry at all. I, uh, my background is in fashion and art. Uh, so I started out as an artist. And then when I graduated, this is now over 10 years ago, um, 10, 15 years ago. And I didn't really feel like I fit into the fashion industry.
2: Mm. But I didn't
3: either want to continue working as an artist. So I wasn't really sure what I would fit in. And then I was looking a lot in how the game industry were working. And then I felt a lot like affinity with how they work with character design and the work that I had been doing. So uh, I was very jealous of them and what they were doing, and they of course didn't feel like they were working with anything fashion related. Um, and also, things back then looked very, very different from than what it looks today. Uh, even if the core sort of game industry is still very conservative and still, still what it was. Um, and that's where uh, that's the, at, at that time I started started Magic Fabric as a, as a platform as a as a blog. Um, I started interviewing people all over the world that worked uh, in character design. Um, So that's where I started out. And then it's grown into something bigger and wider. And I've started to include a lot more technology than just character design and sort of 3D uh, in it.
0: Yeah, it's a wonderful site. I'm a huge fan. And uh, I I think I discovered it uh, on social because you really curate some of the most awesome uh, visuals when it comes to uh um especially specifically digital fashion and like digital textiles and you know the draping materials and and that sort of thing uh but uh, can you talk at all about how it's curated stuff from all around the world right but is it all is is it also your own stuff that you put on there
3: um occasionally i do i mean i do Mm. play around with uh with uh, generative AI a lot and and through our experiments there, but uh, mostly it's it's other people. and I'm also not a 3D artist, just want to point that out. Mm. Um, so most of it is is other people. So we have just
0: spent uh, 20 minutes talking about uh, GPT4 and uh, we've had uh, several episodes on sort of generative AI. Can you give me your take on where we are right now in this space? Uh, Is this really a game changer? Is it changing everything? Or is it uh, kind of another hype cycle of, of, you know, last year was all about metaverse. Now it's all about AI. What's your personal uh, take on it? And we'll we'll take the conversation from there.
3: I would say, I mean, I would say definitely not a hype thing. And I'm not... I mean, I'm not sure the metaverse was even a hype thing. I mean, it was no. a hype then, and then it's evolving. But um, yeah, this is clearly that, like, but... yeah, but I mean, clearly this is, this is already providing great value to people. And I feel like 50% excitement and joy and 50% sort of fear and worry uh, what this is going to do. Uh, for example, for the job market, and um, are we going to be fast enough to to adjust? legal systems, the sort of ethical aspects of this and create the frameworks needed for this to actually work out for us and uh, for the greater good. Um, so it's it's like 50 for me. Um, I use this a lot like I, I obviously are throwing out things like these myself to to learn and how to work with this. but we are living in interesting times for sure. so uh, yeah.
1: Definitely not hype. I, I just wanted to ask, we've been t- talking about this podcast about fashion, you know, how these young fashion designers can use AI to create whole looks and whole collections. Um, mm. We've talked about aidesign.png. Uh, I don't know if you know about him or her, Elmo Mistein from uh, Belgium. Uh, one of my favorite and our favorite Instagrams. Uh, is Out of all the people that you curate and put on, how much of them do you know are completely AI generated, like the whole looks and the fabrics and the clothes? Is that something you look
2: for?
3: Yeah, I think um, people are quite open about. I mean, before, before a few months ago, it felt more like people were trying to hide it, or or so. Now that it's so accessible and people are more openly using it, I think it's more about who's using it in the most interesting way. Mm. And I think the the best examples that I've seen is when people are actually combining the AI tools and the AI the capacity of a generative AI together with 3D uh, and sort of makes it next level. Um, because we don't have uh, the tools that are accessible, aren't sophisticated enough to do to create a really interesting 3D experience yet. Yet, I mean, we yeah. have a lot of companies and uprunners there as well with, with Loom AI and Kadeem and all these types of softwares that actually auto, auto, automatically generates 3D models for you. But I mean, they aren't sophisticated enough yet to be used at the same sort of scale that Midjourney is, for example. Yeah. So uh, interesting things coming up there as well.
0: I want to pick up on the fear part, and I want to bring you in, Roland, because we talked about this just before you came on uh, mm. the show here. Um, you said 50% fear, Roland. Can you uh, describe what you felt around um, uh, you know, GPT-4 and the AI as an assistant in the workplace?
2: well i mean to to make a, a long story short here julia i i also feel a bit of fear and it's it's mainly due to my own limitations in time at the moment that you know i'm I'm an executive with a lot of uh, busyness. I sit in endless meetings and I I work a lot. Mm. I have a family. I'm a father. I have, uh, you know, interests outside of work. Uh, So at the end of the day, it's like, when will I have time to truly understand how to best create the smartest prompts? Well, very limited amount Mm. of time. So, you know, Mm. in in that way, I feel fear. But then on the other hand, what we also discussed was uh, now with... um, with Microsoft 365 announcing that, you know, they will embed, uh, you know, the, the, the AI tools in, in everything and, and automate a lot of the processes, you, you know, creating PowerPoints or, uh, you know, creating uh, meeting notes or whatever. I mean, then I feel much more positive because then I see that it will be a kind of embedded into day-to-day life for hundreds and hundreds of millions of, of people in the workforce, But at the end of the day, I think, and, you know, that was one of the conclusions earlier in our conversation that, and you touched upon this as well. If you're not fast enough, you might be actually obsolete. Uh, If you think about it from a productivity point of view. So, you know, I I think we kind of ended up saying that, well, what's the USP of humanity at the moment? (laughs) Well, creativity or humor or Mm -hmm. that we are social beings and things like that. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 a two-edged sword. Uh, it's um, a lot of fear, but also a lot of uh, you know excitement.
3: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, now we're talking about it from if we're diving into the vertical of of fashion or digital entertainment. Then I mean, mm. I mean, you can see, there's an endless number of opportunities there. But if you sort of raise and go one level up and talk about it with the hat of just being a citizen and a human being, there's mm. a lot to worry about and like we should definitely not sort of rely on or put our trust in commercial tech companies when it comes to where where the world is going and how we're going to use this. So it's problematic. And I think everyone has a responsibility. If I, as a publisher, put this on my website, I have a responsibility for how it behaves, for example.
2: I have a question about that. Because uh, you, you have this kind of Oracle... Uh chat uh, mm. on on, on magic fabric com, you know where you can a- ask questions so what is it powered by and what's the purpose and you know what why mm. should i use that instead of open ai's platform or you know
3: so it's it's an experiment um that sort of with the platform i'm always trying out new things and uh, to sort of try and and see what, what people want to see and what they want to do and what is the future of publishing and what is the future of content. And uh, we're seeing sort of more and more people have less less time to read and interest in reading long form text, for example. And like, what if you can make it more engaging? What if you can actually interact with the content in a way? So that was sort of the first idea that I had and like, why not use AI to do this? And a lot of people uh, are like emailing me and asking like, can you come and talk about the future of retail? Can you talk about the future of fashion? And then I was like, what if I what if I have an AI to answer those questions? Because they're always the same questions. <laughs> and I can't answer them. No one can answer what the future of fashion is. So there was like, okay, I'll make an Oracle to do this for me and <laughs> see what people ask. So, and then I was looking into what, what can I use to do this? And there's a lot of, of course, a lot of hype around Open AI. And then there are other companies working with. With these technologies, based on the same model or a combination of models or other models, and uh, with this, I worked with an American AI company called InWorld, mm. uh, and they are targeting the game industry and working with NPCs. Um, and they have more of an approach where you build a personality, uh, or mm-hmm. you you can, from a dashboard, actually tweak the personality of the character and and steer what it does and says and trigger mm. actions and. Um, And then I was also sort of thinking, okay, so what's the limitation of ChatGPT if I would be using that? And it never talks about anything after 2021. So what if we would flip that and say, it never talks about what happens before 2021 and only talks about the future. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: That's Um,
3: nice. I like that. (laughs) So that's what we we ended up with. And uh, we softly uh, rolled that out this week. And it's more like I'm throwing it out see people like it if they don't like it i'm gonna have to redo it make another character see if they like that better it's like an iterative process uh, Yeah, and i understand and it's
2: quite easy to create these characters within world that you know it's 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 quite seamless you 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 have a mm. different kind of emotional sets and things like that and then you can kind of experiment with different characters right
3: yeah and i'm so far very impressed with what they're doing uh and also sort of uh from the ethical aspects that we just mentioned just the uh monitoring the data. I, I never see, I just see anonymous data. I cannot see who writes what. I don't see any IPs or anything, but um, just, I have to monitor that people are not sharing personal details and they're getting uh, good responses and that they're not sort of doing something that I feel is sort of shady or harms people. Um, but it's, it's easy to see um, when you speak of sort of the ethical aspects, it's easier to see how quickly it sort of moves into those areas, like how quickly people are starting to ask for financial advice. Uh, they are sharing things about their sort of mental health, oh. what's going to happen to them in the future. And so far, I think Inworld's done a great job on that. They've managed to sort of with empathy, steer those conversations. And uh, they've also uh, managed to uh, steer away from trigger words Etc., in a nice way. Um, but if I see that that's not what it's doing, it's my responsibility to shut it down. And that's the mindset I think all companies need to have uh, when using these kinds, these kinds of tools. Um, and I think OpenAI even themselves says that they're worried about, like, they've released the API, it's open for people to use, but they're mm. worried about what it's going to be used for. <laughs> so it's like, for me, it's paradoxical. So we're releasing this, but at the same time, we're worried that it's going to be used the wrong way. And it's like, so why did you do it? <laughs> <laughs> you, you,
0: you mentioned you are frequently, uh, you, you come on as a speaker to different conferences and bigger corporations. I'm curious, what are some of the most common questions you get from from the industry right now? Uh, It's been a lot from the fashion industry, of course, but can you see uh, some commonalities in terms of worries or uh, questions or curiosities uh, from, from the general industry?
3: Yeah, I I think in general, people uh, want to know what's ahead and they want to know what's the future of things because they Mm. want to know where they should be going. And in in the end, it's, I mean, with these conferences and, and stuff, it's it's people. They're gathering people that are also influenced by each other. So mm. you're building a narrative that's sort of self empowering. And in the end, that also then, if enough players with a certain weight decide on something, that's also what's going to happen. So it, it does have an effect. But um, you do need, you do need to sort of also think for yourself and and uh, make your own analysis. And with with uh, with ChatGPT, it's just like this uh, mass psychosis. Sometimes you you go into LinkedIn and there's like 30 people writing bullet lists on what ChatGPT could revolutionize <laughs> or disrupt yeah. in the future. Yeah. And I don't think that's even maybe the most interesting question that we could ask right now. I would rather have people asking like, "What do you want to build? Like, what what do you want to do with this? Where do you think this is this is heading?" Mm. Um, and and get creative with it um, instead of building their brand presence on LinkedIn. Now I was, now I sounded a bit critical, but <laughs> it's sort of how I see it.
0: No, that's fine, Eric. Did you have a question?
1: No, I was just really wondering about uh, Emmy uh, that uh, was on your website. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting because I asked it, uh, uh, "What are some of the best virtual fashion designers right now?" And gave me an answer uh, straight away, uh, and it said, like, I kind of feel like this answer is kind of pulled off Scandinavian mind, <laughs> like, I feel like okay. I've been writing about <laughs> these things in various articles for a while, um, and then I kind of said, like, okay, but can you list any more up-and-coming ones, uh, mm. and it said, like, some of the ones I never heard of Um Mm-hmm. Do you, like, how, how does it find these ones? Do you know, like, are you part of this in any way? And I'm just asking because I don't understand it, you know. And, oh, I just want to say that up-and-coming ones, let's see what they were. They were uh, <laughs> Anouk Wiprecht, Amber Jauslauten, that we know about, and Pia Hinze. What can you say about right. them? Are they up-and-coming? Did they get it right?
3: Uh, I think Anouk Wiprecht, I, I remember. I think she made a lot of things in, like, uh, wearable technology uh, 10 mm. years ago, I think I've seen. But sometimes it just makes up stuff as well. So you should always <laughs> trust, but you have to do <laughs> research. But uh, most of it is coming from 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 InWorld, uh, and so we also you would only like you could uh, you could ask them like how this exactly works. Uh, but yes, I do have a part in it because I can add an additional knowledge base. So if there's something specific that I want the character to know of, um, mm. for example, who I am or what magic fabric is, I can add that. Um, Somehow it sometimes, I guess that's some of the downsides I see with the product is that it sometimes randomly puts that in. like it doesn't it seems to override some of the um, original context. So for for example, yeah. if if I write something about a a Swiss uh, artist and then Switzerland comes up in, in in a conversation, it could just randomly put in. This person without having anything to do with the conversation so it's still like a bit like janky sometimes um Mm. but yes you can add uh, additional information i have not pulled your article from scandinavian mind but i could have (laughs) (laughs)
0: let's let's add let's let's add scandinavian mind into it i would love to do that (laughs) Um, no but
3: actually you're onto something because i what i want to do with this is like i want to train the ai with everything that's on the website so that you can actually have answers coming from the chat bot uh, that are based on the people that I've interviewed on the site mm. yeah, that yeah, would be really
1: exactly. cool. yeah, I want
3: to
0: end the conversation here where I want to actually circle back to what we talked about in the beginning which is um, we mentioned the metaverse and I mean to your point a little bit from a media perspective, some of these discussions become very kind of binary. It becomes now everyone's talking about the metaverse and all of a sudden now no one's talking about the metaverse. The metaverse is dead. Now everyone's talking about AI. AI is the shit. Uh, Every company needs to be talking about it. And and, and there is actually some merit to that. And you you see, you know, Facebook just recently kind of downplayed their metaverse play. I -hmm. think there's a stock, uh, um, a uh, uh, Stock play to do that because now you know and and they're up playing kind of the AI thing, but going back to to the metaverse, it was something. I mean, we've talked ex- extensively about it in this podcast and the opportunities for digital fashion and and digital worlds in which people can experience fashion and so forth. So mm-hmm. from let's, mm-hmm. let, to bring it a little bit more nuanced, and I know you've been in this space yourself, uh, both mm-hmm. professionally and, and covering it on. on on magic fabric mm. where do you see it going are we in a kind of metaverse winter from a sort of pr perspective right now uh f- the way i see it is i this seems like a lot of things are happening uh, beneath the surface or, or at least behind the headlines uh, i, I want to hear your take on it
3: yeah um i mean it's evolving so i mean it's almost like sort of it's not directly comparable but in a way i remember when i started working at volumental 10 years ago and and people were talking about 3D printing and the expectations were so immensely high on and media was writing about everyone owning their own 3D printer and printing their own garments and shoes Mm. at home. And I mean, clearly that was not where the disruption was happening. It was on a sort of industrial um, basis. Um, So it was all about like the wrong expectations. And I think we've had the wrong expectations here as well. And then we've had a race uh, between the tech companies and then the hardware and the software did, could not live up to those expectations. But I think if we talk about the the, the brands that hopped on this train, like the fashion brands and other types of, of businesses, they they I think they definitely learned something. Um, it's just that those requests, I can only go to myself and see the requests that I'm getting now compared to like six months ago mm. and six months ago. Um, it was more about, or in the summer, it was more about we want to launch our own NFT collection. We want to make skins for that. And now it's more like we want to make a virtual avatar or a character for our brand because we understand uh, the importance of having a virtual presence or being able to have a virtual ambassador that represents our brand on those types of platforms. And I don't, and so it's uh, in a way sort of detached then from the Web3 narrative. It's not. A, important for them than if this is on-chain or off-chain. Um, so I guess that's where a lot of companies are moving. And I also see many of the digital fashion studios that started out last year are now also trying out making physical products. Right. So it's like they're like doing the fidgetal thing mm-hmm. um, because that's where they need to go now. Um, so those are two, I think, bigger movements that we've seen. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, Definitely, we'll see what happens. Uh, Julia, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your, your insights. Uh, if you want to recommend just uh, two or three things, could be obviously uh, Magic Fabric and your new chatbot. <laughs> but things you've you've seen right now that you're excited about, what, what would that be?
3: I mean, everyone who's in the creative space should uh, obviously try out uh, all the image generators and ChatGPT and uh, similar things. Not, I mean, if you're if you're if you're not into it, that's totally fine. But it's good to at least understand the capacity of it.
2: Mm. It's
3: sometimes for me, it's sometimes a bit like provoking uh, even outside of when we're talking outside of creatives and designers but it's provoking for me to hear people be so overconfident in like um this is this is not concerning my profession i'm not going to be replaced this is this is not sort of uh, the way it's portrayed and i'm not worried this is just going to be a tool for me uh right. and i wouldn't be so sure like at the speed that it's moving now and i don't think it's it's not necessarily a bad thing to be obsolete, like, we can, like, spend our time doing more fun things. And that's like, where we lack a political vision about this, I think, what are we going to do with with this moving forward? And how are we going to spend those resources that we're now sort of unlocking with automation? So that's what I want to see.
0: It's not a bad thing to become obsolete. Let's end it there with (laughs) Julia Kranz, uh, creative director and founder of the Magic Fabric blog. We're huge fans. Uh, Thanks for all your great work. Keep it up and thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much. All right, this has been a packed and mind-blowing episode, and thank you, Julia, for coming on the show. Uh, I want to end with uh, uh, plugging our good friend Roland. You, 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 you bailed from Scandinavian Mind with your your art podcast, renamed it to Art Bystander, which which everyone knows is has been your Instagram handle for for uh, the past year or so. Uh, Roland, I want to give you a chance to plug your new podcast, The Art Bystander, and, and where, where people can find it.
2: So there's two sides of the coin. If I bailed or if I got thrown out of the platform, let's discuss that. <laughs> <laughs> but in any case, thanks for the plugging opportunity. Uh, the Art Bystander, you can find it on all uh, streaming platforms or podcast platforms uh, and the art bystandercom but basically I'm interviewing really the the money makers, the curators, the gallerists, all the people that are working in the art industry to discuss, you know, what's the f- what's the current state of art, but also what's the future state of art. So yeah, if you if you're into that space, give it a listen.
0: If you're into that space, if, and if you're into Roland, uh, listen to the Art Bystander. <laughs> and uh, you know, obviously don't forget to sign up to our newsletter. Visit slash newsletter not to miss out on any of the news regarding our upcoming issue which is launched in uh, about a month uh, end of April Uh, until next week guys, thank you, bye see
2: bye